0: Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And uh, Scuzz took the bye week a little seriously, uh, a little more seriously than I think uh, we did um, as far as Northwestern not playing this week. So Scuzz is off tonight, Um, you know, a little under the weather. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back raring uh, to talk about northwestern wind over Illinois. That's right, folks. It is hat week.
1: Yeah, it's hat. And poor Scuzz is sneezing into a hat right now. I think he's he's uh, he's got uh, a serious case of the blowing of his nose. So he'll he's he's sitting this one out. But uh, we we brought in a ringer.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got we uh, definitely brought in someone uh, equally capable of possibly filling scuzz's shoes uh espn's adam rittenberg will be joining us here in just a sec uh to talk about you know all things northwestern and kind of the conference from a from a national perspective um just real quick before uh, we, we get into to adam uh, we did have a few technical difficulties early on um audio is a little bit choppy but it does get better uh throughout the interview so stick with it and it'll 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 be it'll be great
1: Absolutely. This one, this one was a lot of fun. And I think, um, you know, this is the exact time when I think you all want to be hearing from Adam, and he had some
0: great stuff to say. Well, we are extremely pleased and thankful to bring back uh, to the pod Adam Rittenberg uh, from ESPN. Um, Adam, thanks so much for taking time tonight. Uh, I know it's a busy, crazy time in college football, and uh, definitely appreciate a few minutes. Thanks so much.
2: Oh, uh- you bet, guys! It's great to be back on with you. I saw my uh, my episode got jumped, uh, relative, uh, <laughs> rightfully so. But it uh, uh, yeah, definitely motivated me to get back on because I love love the podcast and certainly been a really fun season for the Wildcats on the field. Yeah, yeah ab- I, absolutely. I, spo- yeah.
1: Spoiler spoiler alert: the pod after the Michigan State game, not as many listeners.
2: Just
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the numbers weren't quite there, but yeah,
0: no, thanks. We uh, we appreciate you coming back on. And I'd love to start off with, um, you know, kind of putting this season as weird and bizarre as it is into into some sort of perspective. I mean, you've been covering this team for a long time, you know, all, all the way back in like 2000. And, you know, we were trying to put in context, like, where the program was after the Wisconsin win, sitting at number eight in the in the college football playoff rankings, and then, you know, putting up. The, the loss to Michigan State, which, you know, we, we've talked about, it. it is what it is, and, you know, we hate to see that, but, you know, how does this season kind of rank for you in in perspective and kind of in relation to some of the other all-time Northwestern great seasons?
2: Yeah, well, I
0: was it, it's been a really important
2: season, nonetheless, just to establish that last year is the anomaly. And, you know, you guys understand this, and we've talked about it before, that, and Fitz has talked about it, that, you know, for whatever reason, Northwestern is still associated too much with the Dark Ages, even though, honestly, most fans had no connection to that time. Um, if you're, you know, 20, 25, 30 years old, most of your life, Northwestern's been a good program. And so I think that, but again, a season like this just kind of, you know, puts last season further into the uh, backdrop forces that what they do works when they have a quarterback, when they have a better plan on offense. Um, You know, again, I I looked and certainly, you know, you enjoy seeing uh, how high the, the team rose in the CFP rankings as a fan, but. You know, you, you, you guys watch other teams just like I do and could see the, 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 the distinct flaws with this one, at least in comparison to some of the other teams in the top 10. And so, you know, certainly Michigan State's a disappointing loss for Northwestern, but you look at the Iowa game, which I thought was an absolute steal of a win, kind of evens itself out. I mean, uh, you know, this is certainly one of Northwestern's better teams, but, you know, offensively, it's just, you know, they're, 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 they're a they're a below average offense. I mean, there, there, there's no other way to uh, look at it. And when you look at the the landscape of college football and the other teams that are there competing for the playoff or even the new year six, you know, there, there there aren't very many offenses that struggle as much as Western does to create yards, to create big plays, and to create points. Doesn't mean it's been a complete disaster of a season. That was last year, uh, but until continues to evolve. And get more talented, and 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 you in complementary run pass offense. It was I just never looked at Northwestern as a like a playoff contender. It was certainly fun for the fans, but I I, I think that the Michigan State game kind of sets the reality a little bit, which is still very good. Winning the West Division and again, having a chance to compete for a Big Ten championship and then a, a major a major bowl appearance.
1: I think it's funny you... So, first of all, you talk about the offense, and I think we should go there in a second because Scuzz, who is sitting this one out, um, specifically wanted us to to talk about that. Um, I think Sam made the point last week, I mean, you know, after Michigan State, that, look, the we all loved being in that playoff conversation. It's like Alabama lurks off in the distance of any, like, playoff conversation. <laughs> and you know teams like that are you know it's it's you just kind of envision this wall off in the distance that you'd theoretically be speeding toward but but you know i think i do also think that the fact that even now northwestern's as low as they are and there's the idea that northwestern's out of the conversation so much of that is baked into the fact that people i don't think can envision northwestern beating ohio state and i think post Michigan state game that became even less hard to envision. I don't mean within Northwestern nation, we're all hoping for it against hope, but I think it's such a difficult proposition for other people to examine. I still believe that there is some picture, you know, on the other side of an Ohio state win in which Northwestern is in that conversation, but it all kind of highlights the fact that it's such, that is Mount Everest. Climbing that Ohio state mountain is such a big deal. That it's difficult to put anything in context beyond that because it's like that that is the goal and that's what's ahead of us as far as the offense you brought it up and scuzz you know specifically wanted to get into this um so much was made about mike Bajakian. i mean we've been pretty big Bajakian fans overall and yet like you said there's no denying that this offense um is certainly not in line with a lot of other offenses, especially if you're comparing it with the other teams that are around us in the CFP rankings and above. Um, Where where do you kind of look with that? I mean, like if, if the offense is performing where it is, is it underperforming relative to your expectations Um, or, or, you know, relatively in line, or is there a specific area you're pointing to, you know, that you think could be better? Um, What are you kind of looking for when you look at this offense?
2: Yeah, I think the, Mike has done a terrific job as a first year play caller to remember what he had to deal with what he inherited which one of the worst in all history and so the fact that they're you know much more efficient in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone and they've gotten you know pretty good play for the most part Ramsey at quarterback and you know RC's been terrific um you know the run game has been the one that's been to me because i think that they've uh, improved at offensive line with these with and they're continuing to you just thought that they would be able to run the ball more effectively and that's kind of been the root of some of the problems they just can't convert chunks. you'll get get big runs get into a rhythm so again that's the missing piece ultimately your macro them and and, and and you know, talking to coaches, talking to to some other people, you know, the the comments pretty basic. They just need more talent on offense, and I think that's going to be the, the 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 potential upside of a season like this, uh, coming off of the of last season, is that they're going to be able to bring in more talent, ideally, and they need to evaluate where they're evaluating defensive talent. I should have probably fits his best defense that they have performed this year. The consistency take way, making plays on that side of the ball, the swagger in the back end, they need to bring in offensive players of caliber at a, a rate, uh, as are doing on the defense. And when that happens, I think you're going to look at this program in a little bit different light.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I, we, it's, it's funny. It's, it's certainly, it's, it's not quite to your point. I think a lot of these things are going to bear fruit in the years to come, but I mean, you look at a guy like Anthony Tyus, you know, who is this big running back who was just upgraded, you know, Michigan running back, who's currently rivals, has him as a four star. And there's the kind of guy who, on one hand, you look at this and you say, well, that doesn't relate to this season. But on the flip side, you can go back and be like, right. But are we in the conversation for that guy without some of these um, past successes? Um, Speaking of some of those, speaking of the past, only because we thought this was kind of funny, um, because there are some direct parallels um, to this season to another notable season from seasons past um, and, and a season that you had a front row seat for. And the season we're talking about is the 2000 season. And it's funny, it only took a quick Google search to confirm that, If correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you wrote the gamer for the 54-51 game for the Daily Northwestern. Is that correct? I didn't.
2: Now you're bringing up a real source of I I did not have that game story. The uh, I think I had some sidebars. Uh, I definitely wrote the game story for the Minnesota win the week before the uh, the Hail Mary. Uh, But but not not Michigan. That was uh, that was the other beat writer that year.
1: Gotcha. So the kind of the question behind the question here is clearly, you know, I mean, you guys obviously were in a tug of war for these for you know these gamers week to week getting these assignments, but. Being in that position with the Daily, you're in a front row seat for that string that in some ways is eerily similar to this particular string of games, right? Because we're in a position right now where we've got Illinois on deck, and this is coming off a situation where, you know, we beat a good Purdue team, but then we have that massive game against Wisconsin, um, and then— just the drop off the cliff to the Michigan state game. And it's so similar to that stretch of Minnesota, Michigan, and then Iowa. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then once again, and just like in that situation, we're in a situation now where we don't need the Illinois win like we did then, but the, the parallels of the up, the down, and then facing Illinois is pretty similar. And I'm, you know, we're curious to know, given that again, you had a front row seat for a lot of that with The Daily um, way back in 2000, how, the two, how you juxtapose the two in your own mind and you know, how you compare those two experiences.
2: Yeah, it's a I hadn't thought about it just because the team had been so different, you know, such an offense-driven team and they had the scheme here the new offense with Kevin Wilson and you know Damian Anderson and Zach Kuzak, and this has been obviously this you know this team in, in a sense is just a better version of previous Fitz teams. You know, really good on defense, exceptional on defense and they do enough offensively. So just the style, the styles are different, but in a sense the stakes are not and I I would still argue um, that the Iowa game just because you know you, you didn't have a big 10 championship back then and that was the Rose Bowl I mean the the northwestern blew the rose Bowl against the crappy Iowa team that day that was a much more painful loss I think for northwestern people than Michigan state you know you still had to beat Ohio State in the big Ten championship game sure I guess, you know you know pie in the sky at the playoff I, I I guess just come to the sport now for as long as I have and seeing what type of teams get the With the exception, maybe in a perfect world, Northwestern and Michigan State of 2015. That's the way Northwestern gets in the playoff. But as currently constructed, I just never really viewed them as that. And so I still think that that loss to Iowa in 2000 was much more painful than the Michigan State this year because of what was clearly at stake. You beat Iowa, you saw what happened in the Illinois game, they destroyed them. That was the road, and Northwestern let it go.
0: Uh, you mentioned Ohio State and the uh, and the playoff and and the Big Ten championship game and all indications are Northwestern will be playing Ohio State uh, in Indy in two weeks. Obviously, there is still a lot left to be uh, written, a lot left to be decided. Um, but l- let's for a moment assume that either Ohio State gets this game this weekend with Michigan or the Big Ten makes some sort of. Uh, switches with schedules or bends over backwards and changes the rules. Um, whether or not that's right or not, we'll we'll leave it aside. But just comparing the Northwestern versus Ohio State matchup of 2018 and the potential Northwestern Ohio State matchup of 2020, what similarities? What differences? I mean, does Northwestern have a chance, or is this going to be another just bloodbath?
2: Yeah, you know, I think. Fitz's teams will always have a chance. I think they'll have a really good game plan. Um, I I think that one thing that does give them a chance is the talent and the secondary. And the fact is, you know, you remember that game, uh, and and Ohio State was really, that year, you know, kind of strangely a one dimensional offense with Dwayne Haskins um, and and a terrific group of receivers, several of whom are in the NFL Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell. And uh, Northwestern, you know, went into that game knowing that they couldn't run with those guys. Um, they hadn't quite got in, in my mind to the level of talent that they're at right now in the secondary. So they had to play off coverage, you know, give up the underneath routes, just don't get beat over the top. And I I, I think Northwestern can be a bit more aggressive with their coverage against Ohio State, even though Ohio State's t- tremendously talented at receiver, you know, Chris Olave and company. I don't know if this receiver group for Ohio State is quite at the level of the one and eighteen. But Justin Fields, may, you know, I think, is better overall, a little bit better overall, than Dwayne Haskins. He's a more mobile quarterback. He can create things. We'll see where Ohio State's offensive line is for that game. They obviously had three starters out this past week against Michigan State. Um, you know, I don't know if those are for sure COVID-related, but we can kind of presume that they are. So, you, you know, they'll probably be out again uh, this week, and then we'll see if they can get back for the um, uh, championship game. So that's, those are some keys there. And then offensively, I think the Northwestern is Ohio state's defense in 18 was not good. Um, And you saw that, you know, in the loss to Iowa or loss to Purdue, sorry. And then in, uh, in some of the other performances that they had, I mean, they just, for whatever reason, um, the scheme, the, the, the combination of players uh, it wasn't, a talent issue. Ohio State's always talented. They weren't very good at linebacker, I thought, in that year. But that defense was uncharacteristically poor. I don't know if Ohio State's defense this year is is. It's a, I don't want to say it's an elite 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 defense, but it's it's better than that group in eighteen. So I think the key will be can Northwestern make enough plays and turn the game, and then then really make Ohio State work for its points on uh, on on offense. Um. Uh. You know, because I think they have more talent. Be aggressive with how they approach the passing game, especially because Ohio State's run game has not been outstanding by any means. And Northwestern has defended the run, as you guys know, just about as well as anybody in the country.
1: Right. I think it's it is on one hand, you're right. I mean, it's you look at Ohio State has made a lot of made a lot of hay running the ball, and right. I think we're we have that ability to to match up with the traditional running game as well as just about anybody does. On the other hand, I think of the fact that even um dwayne haskins had a little water bug to him in that other big 10 championship game and i have all these memories of having you know uh, a prime seat in that stadium to watch him running around and buying time and then i look at justin fields yeah. and i'm like oh gosh this is literally what he does he was justin fields was uh, out there against michigan state literally not knowing where any snap was going to go on any particular play and somehow corralling them all and 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 running downfield. Um, speaking of Ohio State, because I think we have all kind of arrived at this place, and I know you've talked about it on Twitter, um, that, I mean, obviously, when when you think of it in terms of dollars and cents, and not only dollars and cents, but the reputation of the conference as a whole, this all is... Uh, a degree of of a no brainer. Um, obviously, we're thinking as Northwesterns fans first. So, like the interests of the conference and or millions of dollars aren't at the front seat of our calculations. Because I think we'd do anything to face Indiana in this game, <laughs> as as good as they are. Um, but with that said, um, I think you know there's there's this push and pull, right? Where on one hand, it's like right if if you put on your logical hat, Ohio State's got to be put in a position to get in because there that's a path to the playoff and all the money that comes with that. And and plus, the eyeball test tells you Ohio State's damn good and everything. But then on the flip side, you have this thing of, you know, talk of, you know, Barry Alvarez. And, you know, there's, for all the, the rationality behind it, there's this feeling that, you know, in the coming week and, you know, at various times this season, there's been a little bit of the moving of the goalposts in this conference. And I guess we were kind of wondering for you, separate from the right and wrong and the good and bad and all of it, what has it been like from a journalistic perspective staying abreast of this this year um, and trying to keep track of the minutia of the rules and how they affect a Northwestern or Wisconsin or an Ohio State and kind of how you're dealing with this week to week in terms of phone calls and getting up with people just to figure out what the rules are and how they're liable to change week to week.
2: Right, it's exhausting. I mean, the Big Ten <laughs> just to, really the whole, the whole since August has been, you know, I, I obviously I've done it for years, but um, just this year with the, yeah the week to week the the different policies, the medical side, the competitive side, the testing side, and you know trying to you know the postponement, which obviously was was a, was a huge story. In August and then they're going to start up again and the parent movements. So yeah, I'm, I, I, I never look forward for a season to end. I'm never a big off season guy. And I love the season this season. I'm not going <laughs> to crying my eyes out when the season ends. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but um, it, it is, it is unique and it's certainly newsworthy and it's, you know, I, I call us to athletic directors today about, you know, Hey, is this being discussed yet? And, and to my knowledge, it is not from those conversations um, as far as changing the, the rule for Ohio state. But, um, I think you have to look at it this way is that uh, Ohio state's already beaten, I guess, you know, Maryland, not yet, but, but they have beaten, you know, Indiana, who is their top challenger in the East division. You know, they, they certainly are in the playoff conversation. you know, still at number four in the CFP rankings. And, um, You know, you could certainly say, well, these are rules that everyone agreed to in the beginning of the season. But it's not like this is a rule that's been in place for 100 years. This is a a rule that was in place for a very specific season that, you know, everything is always fluidity is kind of the the buzzword in 2020. So um, I I wouldn't have a problem at all with the Big Ten, you know, reconsidering if Ohio State can't play Michigan or maybe shuffling the games around this week to allow them to play. Because I do think it's important for them to play another game. But I, 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 you know, and, and it's, I, I get it from a Northwestern standpoint. You, you want essentially the easiest path. But, but don't you also want to play the best team? Don't, I, I mean, that's how the players look at it. That's how Fitz looks at it and his coaches. Because they watch, and Indiana's a terrific team. And, and certainly capable of, of of like winning a Big Ten championship this year. But Ohio State did beat them head to head when both teams are relatively full strength. And, and and ultimately for Northwestern, this is a step that you're gonna have to take. I know this is a step that this is a step that that, that, that drives fits uh to 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 win the Big Ten again. You know, that you know they they got over that hump in nineteen ninety-five. Uh, in '96, and and this is still a journey with this team, uh, in this program where it's at. You know, Ohio State, I think, is one of only two teams. Correct me if I'm wrong. With Michigan being the other, that Fitz hasn't beaten yet at Northwestern. So this is, um, you know, this is a big moment. Uh, for for you know if they if they can get Ohio State to just to just to measure where they're at, we know how ugly that game was last year at Ryan Field. I, I don't expect it to be nearly as ugly, but it has that potential because of how good Ohio State is. So I think if you're Northwestern, you know how difficult it'll be, but you also want to get a sense of of how much how much progress you've made in
0: a year. And you know it's it's clear just looking two years ago to I mean last year and, and you said already it was clearly the blip. And you know the the trajectory of this team is definitely on the upswing. Um, you know, obviously we won't, we all want to see a Big Ten championship. Um, you know, you think back to '95 and '96, Northwestern did not have to face Ohio State neither of those two seasons, so you know, kind of got around the Ohio State <clears throat> you know kind of behemoth then. Um, but as, as far as kind of from the global sense of you know where this team stacks up to. Previous Northwestern teams that you've seen in the past twenty-five years or so.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 a it's a good team. I mean, it's a weird season, right? Uh, And so it's it's hard to make you know too many judgments. um, uh, You know, in terms of comparisons to other teams. So all I can do is is evaluate how Northwestern looks, and they've obviously handled the virus about as any well as any team in the country. Um, They've improved. I, on both sides of the ball, and, and, that, and that's not to, yeah, I mean, the offense has certainly improved. But you know, I just love the I love the way they play defensively because um they're able to be uh, aggressive in some ways, especially in the back end. and and yet, you know, Hankwich is never going to be a coach that blitzes you know two out of every three downs. and And so they're able to play uh, you know his style uh, about as well as you can. And and they just been, you know, you you see see how they won the Iowa game, and, and how they how they won the Wisconsin game. And you know, even the Purdue game. I mean, they they they, they control the pretty good offense for most of that one. And so, um, you know, it, it would be great to see them play a full twelve game schedule this year to 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 evaluate and and have everybody not dealing with some key personnel losses. Um, you know, outside of just the normal injuries that you have in football. But but I you know I I just think that yeah, this is now you have two out of three at least division championships. Uh, now the key is to and you have this facility. You have fits, you know, at least for now. You have tremendous momentum uh, and enthusiasm around the program. The next step is very key to me, and it's very obvious. You need to elevate recruiting in certain positions. I think you need more resp- uh, more explosive, game-breaking receivers. Tight end, I think, is, is a position now that can really flourish. We've seen what, what John Rain has done as a transfer in Mike Bajakian's offense. I think running back will be fine. As long as Louis Ani's there, they're going to have talent at that position. And then we'll see with quarterback. You know Peyton Ramsey, you know, really stepped in and, and elevated that spot. Uh, can't can't can that be a, a start of a trend as a position that that obviously dragged down this program for a while? But I, I just think now, uh, you know how much better can you get on offense? Um, and, and you know, offensive line seems to be trending in a good direction. So I, I think overall it's 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 positive, um but uh, but it's also a clear next step to take on the field and in recruiting.
0: and as far as kind of a next step goes, I mean, there's kind of been this, this question that I've been wondering about. And I I think a lot of people are starting to wonder about, and that's the eligibility for anyone who played this year to play next year. Have you heard any, I mean, I I think probably everyone just wants to get done with this year, get, you know, get this vaccine, get things, you know, closer to normal. But have you heard any discussions on like, if if people are thinking come back again next year, like any of the seniors from this year might be coming back or is that even on anyone's radar at this point? Um, well, I
2: mean, obviously it's a huge, it's a huge piece because you're, you know, you want to try to get the answers, um, as a coaching staff as soon as possible. I I think it's really just going to depend on each, on each individual. I have not heard. At least from Northwestern, or really from many teams, um, you know, which which older players are thinking about, you know, c- you know, coming back, whether it's a fifth year, maybe a sixth year in some cases, um, or or some guys just may 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 be done after this year and want to move on with their lives, especially guys that either are. Are, uh, feel pretty good about their pro prospects or have no pro prospects and just want to move on and be you know, non-athletes and, and people in the real world. So, uh, so, but I think everyone's going to have that decision, which makes us unique. Um, and, and certainly there's a number of older players that Northwestern would really benefit from coming back in 2021. Certainly Peyton Ramsey at the very top of that list. Um, you know, some of the linebackers, some of the receivers, um, but, but again, I, I think, I think overall the, the, the talent and, 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 the, and the development in this program is, is at a point where even if some of these guys move on, they should be, they should be in a pretty good spot in most positions. I mean, I'm very encouraged guys by the offensive line development under Kurt Anderson. I mean, I, I had a, 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 somebody on the coaching staff tell me before the season that if Rashawn Slater was with them, they would win the division they they felt strongly about that. Well, Rashawn Slater opted out and they still won the division. And that shows that that this team can withstand some pretty big personnel losses and 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 still and still play at a very high level.
1: Yeah, I think we we've been so excited just from how closely we follow recruiting that there are a couple of guys, I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean other than listeners to our pod wouldn't know that, you know, Northwestern's played with a backup offensive lineman for the past two games. Um, including against Wisconsin. I mean, Charlie Schmidt basically got thrown into the fire. But he's also a really good offensive lineman. But this offensive line has a couple of guys who are really big time players who are not playing right now. and it's it's funny to to you've we've got that at offensive line, and we've also got it at corner. and at, I mean, even at at corner, especially, like we kind of don't even know what to do with that. I don't the idea that that. We've had seasons where we were saying, oh, my gosh, like we've, you know, our entire season's pinned on this guy not getting hurt at cornerback. And then it happens. And and to have those kind of reserves right now is is just crazy. But I mean, what you're saying about some of the other positions makes total sense. And I think we're. Desperate, not desperately hoping because we've already seen that upward trend, but really hoping that it's going to continue to bear fruit. And like you said, I mean, it's the I mean, Purdue could could tell us, right. I mean, you get one Rondell Moore and suddenly it can has the effect of transforming everything or or a David Bell. Um, so um, with that said, we were kind of curious, again, going back to kind of the work you've been doing on the beat this year. And like you said, in this exhausting season, Um has there been anything, you know, a particular moment for you covering this conference that has jumped out this season or a particular thing, you know, you like your own version of that only in 2020 moment um that that you've just encountered, you know, on the beat or out there working to cover this or some random thing where you step back and you were like, "Oh my gosh, like what is going on here?"
2: Oh yeah, for me it's easy. It was it was the fact that, you know, I had not covered an event the last the last uh, event I covered before Uh, COVID really hit was the Illinois Iowa basketball game at Illinois back in March, which is an awesome game. Uh, And the next event that I left my house to cover guys was going out in sometime in, in late August to the big 10 headquarters, to cover a, a protest from about twenty five parents from around the league. So that, that was my next that was my next big, big on, on location assignment. And just that whole that whole situation was just so crazy. And um and again, I I I, I understood where the, a lot of the parents were coming from. And 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 I think um you know that decision to postpone, you know, we could write a we could do a podcast series about it and or write a book about it. It just was um, it was so. It was so uh, so wild, um, and 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 I think again a decision that that you know I think uh, quite a few in the Big Ten wish had gone a different direction. But but yeah, I think I think it was the parent protest outside of a out of outside of a, a league office that nobody was in uh, in basically <laughs> a, a an, you know a, an office park in Rosemont, Illinois. Sometime in late August, that was the, uh, the most surreal moment. Now, did, yes,
0: did, did all the parents like go to Fogo to shower afterwards just to grab a, grab a steak or something? <laughs> you know,
2: I don't even know if it was open. It probably was, I, I, you know, I think some of those, there's a couple other places out there cause I've gotten eaten out there after i gone to events in the big 10 and, um, I think everything was pretty much closed, but, uh, yeah, there just wasn't anybody around. There was a bunch of police, um, you know, and, uh, and, yeah, maybe like 30 people total, uh, and a bunch of media. I mean, there was like more media than than parents there. And it was a Friday. It was hard to kind of organize. You know, Sean Wade, Sean Wade's dad from Ohio State, was- who kind of threw it together at the last minute. But uh, it was just a bizarro, very 2020 scene being out there in Rosemont. Yeah, we were we were joking.
1: It's like as hot as he's been over the past couple of weeks. Sean Wade can't really top his dad's performance on this season. You know, his dad yeah. is really.
2: Really, making moves. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So uh, you know again, I, I, I mean we could certainly talk about should the big Ten have uh, postponed in the first place? Um, I, I think I think in hindsight, uh, they, 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 they could have played or, or, or earlier and, and, and maybe should have and, and we would have more games in and we wouldn't be having this conversation about Ohio State. But it went the way it went. And, you know, um, I, I, I think, again, the, a lot of people have said, well, they, there shouldn't have been any college football and, and there's all these cancellations. But I think, you know, you, you guys are Northwestern guys uh, You and people that listen are, are Northwestern fans. You should certainly be proud of the way Northwestern has handled this. I mean, to have, you know, at least right now, no no COVID in the program since this started is is remarkable and, and not to say that, that others weren't careful or they didn't try but um, I think it just it, it just underscores what type of program it is and and and, and how Fitz and and his staff go about uh, enforcing things and, and how the players have been so disciplined they really deserve a lot of credit I mean they've had essentially a normal season um, they've played all their games uh, they've had injuries just like you have in every other, other season, but they haven't had uh, COVID You completely torpedo your season like you've had uh, with programs around the country. And we just, like, just like we ran, we just ran back 2018 again. No
1: non-conference wins and an amazing run through the conference season. It's just, it's just we're just running it back again. We're, <laughs> we joke, but we joke, but in all truth. We weren't exactly uh, pulling our hair out when Will Hall, Coach Tulane, was taken off of our schedule. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't exactly sorry to see that one go. But uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Fitz said Sam. You said it before. I think Fitz said at the at the start of the year, he was like, "You you you know that you could do everything right and and still lose games to COVID. But if you do anything wrong, you will lose games to COVID." And I think that was their mindset and and they made it work. And you're right. I mean, it's absolute testament to the discipline of the program.
0: Uh, last question for me. And you know, you, you kind of alluded to this uh, a minute ago, um, but as we were, I was watching the, uh, the bears you know, lose a heartbreaker to Detroit this afternoon. Um, something popped up on my Twitter feed, Jason lockenfora from CBS. I'm already uh, <laughs> knocking
1: wood, Sam. I've already knocking.
0: <laughs> dropped a little, uh, you know, nugget of possibility that you know, if the Bears decide to move on from Matt Nagy, they will go full force at Pat Fitzgerald as uh, potentially the next coach of the Bears. And, you know, we've been, you know, following the, the fits to the NFL and, you know, the, the Packers a couple of years back were uh, talking to him and, you know, with his the ties to Mark Murphy and, and the Packers organization, you know, the conversations were there. Um, you know, his name pops up almost every year. But, you know, we've all always kind of had in the back of our mind the one job that we could see Pat Fitzgerald leaving Northwestern for would be the Bears. Uh, should we be, like, freaking out about this? Or is this just something to kind of put in the back of our minds?
2: yeah i, I listen I, I think in in some ways the, the, the this this seems the most real uh, of, of 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 a possibility because um, I think the timing, would would be something that Fitch would consider. Uh, the fact that he's still in his mid forties, and you know, it, it wouldn't have to move his family. That's such a big, big deal to him. Uh, he can stay in his home and 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 have his and his wife's families you know, right there. And you know, this is a this is a, you know his his childhood team. He's always been a Bears fan. Um, I, you know, again, I think he'd have to look at. Uh, you know, is, is it a situation he wants to enter and leave an ideal situation for, you know, I mean, we could talk for a long time about I think the, the problems within that franchise and, you know, do, you know, a, you know a, a, just the difficulty of being an NFL coach and how you, you, know, you have such a short leash, you know, which he doesn't have at Northwestern and the expectations and the media responsibilities and the criticism you have to take. But I, I do think it's something that, um, you know, unlike the, maybe the Packers job, he, he'd really have to sit down and and consider. Um, uh, at this point in his career, uh, because um, and, and and you know what, I, I think uh, it would certainly be um, a difficult moment for Northwestern if if Pat did leave. But I think the program is in such better position now, and honestly, much more appealing uh, to to coaches than it would have been even you know five or six years ago. So yeah, I, I know that no, nobody at Northwestern. Wants to see Fitz go. Um, I, I do think that this one feels to me like 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 more of a uh, of a of a realistic possibility than it has in the past. But I also think it's not the you know it's not the end of the world because of where the program is and and the fact that uh, I think there you know there would be options out there to continue the success that he's had. And I also think that there'd be a pretty good chance at some point that he would come back in uh, coach Northwestern. So uh, I know I I I I wouldn't say with Fitz that anything is likely because he's been so definitive in his loyalty and hasn't pursued, you know, Michigan, whether it's Michigan or some of the other college jobs or the NFL jobs, the Packers, he's been so definitive in saying, I'm not going anywhere. I I don't, I don't know if, if if, if, we still may get to that result, but I don't think he would come out immediately and say, no, there's no way. I think this one you have to consider. He owes it to himself. And I think again, if he did leave, It would be very difficult for Northwestern, but I don't think it would be the end of the world because uh, look at where the program is and look at where the support is around the program now versus where it was even just a few few years ago. I appreciate the attempt to soften a theoretical future blow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, it would be devastating. I mean, because I mean, obviously, nobody fits better, and and and, you know, pun intended, and and that, um, and it would be, you know, there would probably be a step back. But all I'm saying is. You know, it, it's not going to become 1992 anymore. Like, like that. Like, let's just put that out. It, it, the, the, those days are not coming back. There's, there, there's too much interest. There, the facilities. Uh, the, the the talent in the program, I, I just can never see this program getting back to, to where it was when nobody cared. So, I mean, would there be a step back? Probably, but, but maybe not. I mean, I, I, I again, I, I just think that there's, that there's, there would be so like, like, think about the interest in this job versus where, where it was even when Randy took it over, you know, even when Randy Walker t- came in, uh, I don't think there was great interest in the Northwestern job. I think there'd be a lot of coaches, that would be excited about the opportunity if that if that theoretical situation came came to pass i just want to point out that look if the bears want a, you know a hot
1: shot northwestern guy mike Kafka is right there That's he's true. available you know they can grab him or even sam even your boy eric enemy look I, <laughs> robert robert sala the nfl's loaded with talented young assistant coaches ready to make an impact i'm just saying uh Oh, God. Sam, you
0: had to go there, man. Well, to... I mean, yeah, I, I kind of did. I mean, it, it, it's there. It's, it's on people's minds. And, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't even mention it. Um, Adam, thank you so much again t- for taking the time uh, to jump on with us tonight. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, love your work. Love, you know, heading to ESPN and reading everything you've got coming out. So uh, appreciate your time and you know, keep up the good work.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Keep up the great work on your end and uh, we'll see how this season winds down and plays out. Should be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Once again, that's Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, Great stuff as always. Uh, Definitely appreciate having him back. Um, And we'll turn our attention now uh, to this upcoming week's game. I mean, with the Minnesota game being canceled due to COVID, obviously we hope, you know, everyone, it sounded like the numbers were rough at Minnesota. Um, Hopefully people are getting better. Um, It's not too, not too gnarly uh, for them moving forward, but uh, did provide Northwestern a a break. And, you know, after, what four weeks in a row of playing a team off their bye now we get a bye we get a chance to to recover hopefully that'll mean like Isaiah Bowser whatever's been ailing him hopefully he'll have a chance to to bounce back but you know up against an Illinois team that they're just they're not good but they're also maybe a little friskier than we might have given them credit for at the beginning of the season
1: yeah, this is so you you pretty much pegged him exactly right. This is by no means a good football team. Um, I think there are a couple things going in our favor here. Um, one, as much as we are loath to say it, is the looming specter of that Michigan state game. Um, that was, I mean, it's we were looking doing statistical research for Illinois today and stuff. and I mean, do yourselves a favor folks don't pull up the big 10 stats because as bad as michigan state looks record wise they look way worse than that statistically and i somehow we lost to a team that is practically the worst team in the conference in most statistical categories um Illinois is no peach, though. They are, um, I think, one of the big shockers looking them up because I think, you know, our vision of this team from the past couple of years and certainly from this season, too, is that they are a bad defensive team and a potentially, you know, sometimes frisky offensive team. In reality, their offense has been pretty horrible this year. And I think it's important to understand that. it, with illinois not unlike nebraska a team that to their credit illinois put it on in they really their best game of the season um illinois has a couple of players who's got some who've got some serious flash to them and then a wheel weak real weakness in the trenches that kind of erases a lot of that but i mean still there's there there are things that are dangerous and there are things that we definitely
0: need to get into so i mean the the they've been running a lot of people at quarterback and Brandon Peters is nominally their starter, but, um, you know, we'll probably see a fair amount of Isaiah Williams. I mean, if we're being honest, cause like he, he provides a different spark to that offense than um, than Peters does. And, you know, I, if we're going down to Corin Taylor or Matt Robinson, then I, I think something's gone wrong for Illinois. I think, you know, in, in their mind, they would rather just be uh, playing the two headed monster with Peters and Williams um, You know, uh, it appears their, their biggest threat is Josh Amater-Bebe, uh at wide receiver. But, like, you look at his numbers, they're not eye-popping. I mean, 19 catches on the year for 263 yards and three touchdowns, um, averaging 13.8. I mean, he is their number one receiver. But, you know, why do I get the sense that, like, number two is going to be blanketing him all day long?
1: It's funny because there's a little bit of a paradox here because Bebe is by far their best offensive player. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this guy's an NFL player, a USC transfer. I mean, we kind of talked back in the summer that Lovey's got this random run of luck where he's managed to actually hit on a couple of big time transfers, really like one or two a year. And this year, Bebe is is really that guy. He's... um, a big time talent, a former monster recruit who never really settled in at USC, but he has had a good year with Illinois. Um, we were talking about this with Scuzz, and Scuzz though has has made a strong point that um, not unlike Wondell Robinson at Nebraska, he doesn't really have someone to get him the football and. I think Brandon Peters has had a star-crossed season, to say the least, with Illinois um, up and down, and and like you said, they've they've rotated in a fair amount of Isaiah Williams, and I think Amata Bebe. On one hand, he is their best player; he is a big-time receiver. But if you look at his numbers, they haven't been huge. And then uh, let's just put this right up front: you, Greg Newsom, is a hundred percent an NFL cornerback, and Greg Newsome is more than capable of shutting this guy down. Um, Let's just call it like it is. Um, Greg Newsome is as good as this guy is, and if you put Newsome on him, Illinois doesn't have some other guy who's going to gash you. Um, The the important thing to know though, is Illinois' running game is truly no joke. Um, They have a lot of guys who average five yards a carry. Um, And It's important to know that Illinois is basically, in in offense, and this is kind of bizarre, because offensively, they are not unlike Iowa, the team that they played last year in this way, where they actually run the ball quite well, Um, and they don't run it the same way Iowa does. We know how Iowa does. It's it's very traditional. Um, Illinois runs the ball very effectively in more of that Nebraska kind of mold, but they kind of do it even a little bit better than Nebraska does, not in terms of talent, but in terms of they are able to establish a level of balance in their running attack, which is a lot of read option, a lot of quarterback running, but they're able to establish a level of balance that Nebraska isn't.
0: Due to should, should, I, should I be having like fever dreams about uh, Rocky Lombardi when you were talking about this? Cause it's like, uh, well, so, no.
1: well, well, so, right. So that's the, the, the push and the pull, right? On one hand, um, Illinois is a good running team and they're a good running team in the way that Northwestern does not like, right? The gre- they're more of the greased pig style of running. They're going to run a lot of read option and the running backs, Chase Brown and Mike Epstein are pretty good. Like they're, they don't suck. Um, these guys are pulling in five yards a clip this year. You can look against their running. I mean, for example, they got smoked by Wisconsin. They averaged 5.2 yards a carry against Wisconsin. Like, and those numbers are pretty much standard for Illinois this season. They can run the ball. Where they're like Iowa is they can't hit the broad side of the bar and throwing the ball. And that is what hamstrings them. Um, they are not an effective passing team in any way, shape, or form. It's funny you bring up Lombardi because Scuzz, after, you know, in last week's pod, did a really good job of outlining the fact that we did not expect Lombardi to do that at all. Um, if Michigan State had a, you know real success, especially early on, hitting us with a multifaceted game plan we weren't expecting at all, well, all of Illinois's best things are the things that we're going to spend an entire week game planning for. Um, Peters is good at the read option and the running. Williams is better. Williams also can't hit the broad side of the barn throwing the ball. I mean, he's an awful passer. And he's really fast and he's really good at running. But that's what Northwestern's been planning for since last Monday for almost a full two weeks to deal with this rushing attack. And right now they're being like, look, Newsom's going on to Mata Bebe. If they want to try to throw, good luck. But more than likely, they're going to try to run, run, run with all that stuff. We are going to be coming up. Nothing's going to be taking us by surprise in this game. And I think... That's the silver lining. And again, again, like I said, looming specter of the Michigan State game. And it's friggin' Illinois. And it's hat week, as Sam said earlier. And this team is, like, they know what Illinois is. No one is taking Illinois for granted in any way, shape, or form. If we can beat this team by fifty, we'll beat this team by fifty. You're gonna get everyone's very best game against Illinois in this one. And that's especially true of this defense.
0: Yeah, and like a rested defense, like, you know a week to stew on that Michigan State loss. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be coming out with, with fire in their eyes. Sure, they don't like the cats have won the big 10 West and that that's done. But I I think back to two years ago after we beat Iowa and won the big 10 West and we still came back and put it on Illinois just because we could and because it's Illinois and that's what we do. Right. And I think,
1: so like, that's a big part of it, right? I mean, you talk about teams were built to play. Well, it's like, literally we're built to play iowa and wisconsin i mean that's the way our team is constructed and illinois has always been a different animal but that all goes out the window because it's illinois and our guys like care about that game so much they give their all there's a reason we've won five straight against them it's because these guys absolutely ball out in this game um and that's that's where that comes from now If you look at Illinois defensively, are they good? No, they are not good. Um, They have been, you know, shelled several times this season. Um, Most notably, of course, because it was one of the first games anyone saw this season by Wisconsin to start the year where they were absolutely rolled. There's no doubt the nadir of their season was a 41-14 loss to a Minnesota team that we know pretty solidly is not a good football team. Um, It's... So there's some push and pull here, too. There's nothing that Illinois' defense really does particularly well. There are several defenses in the conference worse than them. But this season, and we kind of tweeted it out early, truly good teams are in short supply in the Big Ten this season. Um, There are seven teams in the conference that are giving up 32 or more points a game. That's rough for the Big (laughs) Ten. Um, And Illinois is right in that group. So, I mean, you factor in, you know, for all the, the talk about Northwestern's inability to run the ball, just know there are half the conference is giving up more than twice as many points a game as Northwestern is, which is just ridiculous. And Illinois is right in that group. So, I mean, like once you get up there, like, is there really much of a difference between giving up 33 points a game like Illinois is and giving up 35 points a game like Minnesota is the worst team in the conference? I mean, they're all bad defenses, but I think, what you'll see sometimes is, and this of course has bearing on our game, is when Illinois really wants to knuckle down, they can have some success in various facets of the game. Like, in other words, if your quarterback really is lousy at throwing the ball, Illinois, he's not going to get better because it's Illinois. Ask Luke McCaffrey, who had a horrible game, right? Um If you're horrible running the ball, you're not going to suddenly get good at running the ball against Illinois. Very important because we are not a particularly great team at running the ball. But, and this is the huge but, when we talked about Michigan State, did Michigan State outperform our expectations defensively? Yes, they did. But did we talk about how Michigan State was an excellent defense coming in? Yes, we did. Illinois is not an excellent defense, Um, and the one thing you see is quarterbacks who are good quarterbacks this season have had very, very good games against Illinois. Of course, so much was made of Graham Mertz's game to start the season, right, where he was 20 of 21 and threw five touchdown passes against Illinois, right? And subsequently, we've learned Mertz is a great quarterback, but he ain't that good. Um, right but you can right. just look last week and the way things started for Iowa Spencer Petrus not the most accurate quarterback in the world had a <laughs> had a great game after you know after Iowa kind of got their heads out of their butts at, at the end of the first quarter he was through for 18 for 28 which doesn't sound amazing for Petrus that's incredible <laughs> and through three touchdown passes so you can envision a situation where Either Illinois is going to be bringing heat like crazy, just trying to get to us, which, I mean, fine, but we'll adjust to that. But, like, expect that Northwestern, because of our, you know, running back issues, and again, I hope Bowser's healthy. I really hope we see a lot of Drake Anderson, because Drake, this certainly is the kind of defense where Drake could get stuffed for two yards ten times and then bust a 50 yarder. Like this is Illinois's is that kind of team.
0: Yeah, but do they have like what like that giant, you know, pre, like Lorenzo Neal type guy who's no. clogging up the middle? No. I mean
1: No, no, they're not our O line <laughs>
0: should be able to move these guys around.
1: Sure. I think you can look at the Nebraska game though, right? And again, I like I know people talk forever about like Nebraska's defense being better and we didn't buy any of that. Nebraska did have Ty Robinson inside. And Nebraska overall did do a good job. And Illinois got some good linebackers. Like, that's for sure. Like, they have quality linebacker play. But just like Nebraska, and really even worse than Nebraska, they're just so thin up front. So you can kind of, I mean, again, by this point, our listeners are going to get mad if we're like, Northwestern's going to go off running the ball, and they're going to be like, well, what about all the other times they were supposed to go off running the ball, and they didn't? I would, I'm not going to call that we're going to go off running the ball what I am going to say is there's a really good chance that there will be some holes and if, like, Drake is out there, it could be a game where he's he ends up with 100 yards and it's weighted by two plays where he just busted long runs. And that's more than enough. The big thing, though, is um, figure on Peyton Ramsey having a lot of time to throw the ball. And good quarterbacks have just carved this defense up this year when they've had time to throw the ball. And... I think that's the thing that you can really rely on. So if you ask me, you know, Illinois, I think probably what you're going to see a lot of is I know this will have people nervous coming out of the Michigan State game, but you're going to have us daring them to try to throw because we're just going to put Newsom on Amata Bebe and be like, look, you guys have horrible accuracy. Um, And we know you're going to try to build things around the run. And I know, again, everyone's being like, that's what happened at Michigan State, and it went so wrong at the beginning. And it's like, yes, but this team is going to be so geeked up for this game because of the Michigan State game, because it's Illinois. They're going to be going so crazy. They're going to have this stuff pegged. They're going to play disciplined football. And we are really going to have to work, though, to take that running game away. Like, Illinois is going to get it. I would say the short of it is, we put, if we score 30 points we put this team to bed. You can kind of look at Illinois and be like you can just look at the games they've played this season and teams that have gotten to 30 points against them that just kind of does it and I mean, either they, they just they, get,
0: they ain't getting to 30 points against our defense. Yeah,
1: right. And I think so the flip side is um if you're looking for the you know the negative Nancy scenario, right? It's like Illinois, you know, through some dynamic runs and ability to to get us flat-footed um, could break a couple of runs and get into the 20s through a, a really lucky confluence of circumstances. Like, that could happen. And in that situation, we need to just have not screwed the pooch. But I, again, I, we keep coming back. I mean, the Michigan State game hurts so much, but we've talked about it. It took so many guys playing their worst game of the season. And now those guys, this will be their first chance to remedy that or at least if not remedy it, right, move past it and prove that they are not those guys. And that includes on the offensive side of the ball. I think guys like Kyric McGowan are really going to ball out in this game. Um, yeah, and
0: like ha- having the week off, I mean, gives you know, people might say, "Oh yeah, they they could they could be stewing on it and letting it eat at them." But Fitz doesn't let that happen. Like Fitz does not let teams stew on on rough losses. I mean, especially, you know, with a game against probably Ohio State the next week we got to be we got to like get everything sharp we got to lock everything down i mean we need to be playing our best football going into a game against and if it's not Ohio State it'll be Indiana who's no slouch themselves i mean this is a you know this is an opportunity to get everything firing on all cylinders going into you know Indianapolis the next week
1: right for sure and i think there's your, I think it's easy to forget, too, because you have a good defense two, in two weeks in, in Ohio State um, that, of course, is loaded with talent if they're not you know, incredibly disciplined. Um, and um, the fact that over the past three weeks, we had a week off against what would have been a, a really bad Minnesota defense, but we didn't get to play them. And before that, we had Michigan State, and before that, we had Wisconsin. So it's been close to a month since Northwestern fans saw a good defense and it's easy to kind of forget that all of these little things the ability to play Drake Anderson knowing you're going to have holes and ability to get to the second level which unlocks him right and the return of the ability to go dynamic laterally with Kyrick McGowan and all of the things that that opens up right and and to what we were talking about earlier knock wood like uh, John Rain with an extra week of rest and the ability to get him back and all the ways that he's able to move laterally and the things that that opens up. I think, again, because, because of the the problems with the running game, especially in short yardage situations, compounded by playing two really good defenses over the past two games, I think have kind of obscured the fact that this team does a lot of things really effectively offensively. And I think it's it's easy to look and be like, look, this team has gone off in certain games. And yeah, like a lot of people are going way back to the Maryland game. Sure, but we've played really well against Illinois in years past. And think about how anemic last year's offense was. And yet we put it on Illinois in that game last year. Um, this defense is a worse version of that defense. So again, it, it's one of those things where you keep coming back to we're, we want to be so guarded and we're all so snake bitten from two weeks ago and Illinois does run the ball well and they run the ball well in a dynamic way that is not the way we would most like to defend but they are not a good team they are our rival they're a team we know very well that gets our best game every year Um and There is, truth be told, a huge talent disparity between these two teams um, that even is not comparable to Michigan State. For as, as much of a mess as Michigan State has been, there is real talent across a lot of that Michigan State defense, and Illinois is just not wired that way. They are a collection of random talented players spread across different position groups. They do not have a strong talent base at any particular position, um, and they really can get manhandled in the trenches. And that's what happ- what's happened when they've played the strong trench teams this year, the Iowas and the Wisconsins. We are built the same way. And I think all it'll, you know, potentially the flip side is all it'll take is a couple big plays on the ground, a couple big pass plays, a couple big drives, and we
0: could open this one up. And let's also not overlook the fact that, you know, there's no pressure on us. Like, we can lose this game and we still go to Indy the next week. You know, obviously we don't want to, and we'd rather that not be the case. But like, we we're not playing like a bad team with a lot on the line, right? Because like, you know th- that that's you you've you know you think back to two thousand. I mean, the that Iowa loss. We were playing a bad team, but with everything on the line, and Sphincters clinched, and we just couldn't come up for it. We're not playing. There, there's nothing on the line for Northwestern here except the hat, and like we can come out, pin our ears back, and just go to town. I suppose if we
1: want to be real negative Nancys, we could talk about the fact that if Wisconsin hadn't, right? If I mean, and this is as ridiculous as it is. And again, it's like, you know, when we had Adam on, you know, we're, we're trying to be judicious, I guess. But I mean, I the this whole idea of moving the mid midseason, right? Because I think we're all conscious of the fact that were we to lose to Illinois next week, right, and had Iowa beaten Indiana, then who's to say some of this, you know, this talk wouldn't bleed over into like, oh, well, you know, what can we do to help Wisconsin out and get them, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, you, you you kind of feel disrespected by extension a little bit by that stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think there's, you know, truth be told, there's, we're in a situation where you would be worried about a look ahead. Right. And especially for the reasons, like Sam said, that we don't technically need it. And theoretically, you lose that game. It only makes you a little bit a little bit more overlooked by this juggernaut Ohio State team. I mean, but regardless, we don't have to worry about any of that, because as we texted, you know, a week ago, it's Illinois and Illinois comes with Illinois comes everything comes all of the hate comes, you know. You know, this decades long, you know, thing that all of us ever since we showed up at Northwestern have been, you know, privy to like, you know, you and I, Sam, this was not something we grew up with. But, you know, this was hate we learned Mm -hmm. uh, when we when we got here and and that carries through and it will always be. And it's it's that team down south. It's that team down in the corn. And, you know, we will put it on them every year. Last year, again, with nothing to play for, our guys came out and gave their very best game of the season and smoked that team. And this is a team that I think, you know, I I think there's part of them that are really feeling, you know, that they want to put a beating on their rival and be able to carry that into Ohio state and remind everybody who has kind of fallen asleep to us over the past couple of weeks, what this team is and why we are West division champions. And I think that's what you're going to see.
0: Uh, Two things to mention, but then I want to move on. Um, Number one, just taking a quick look at the extended forecast uh, right now, as we record on Sunday night, uh, forecast is 44 degrees high with 50% chance of rain. Uh, southwest winds at 16 miles an hour. So uh, could be rainy, could be a little windy. Uh, that could lead to us running the ball more uh, or being reliant on the run. Um, if it is too windy, obviously we, we know that about Peyton Ramsey. He doesn't like to play in the wind. But, uh, so that's just something to keep an eye on, uh, cloudy with occasional rain showers. The other one is the opening line. And, uh, I, I, were you as concerned as I was when you saw Northwestern by 15, uh, it's like, you know, we, we saw this last week. We were 11 point favorites or two weeks ago. We were 11 point favorites at Michigan state. Uh, If you're gambling on this, just don't stay away because we don't do well with 15-point spreads. Well, it's
1: like this Illinois team got up 14-0 on a fantastic Iowa team um, and had us all kind of scratching our heads. And then Iowa remembered they were Iowa and remembered Illinois was Illinois and flattened them the rest of the way and went 35-7 from that point on. Um, but given that we ourselves have fallen into two enormous holes in games this season, um, you know, it's it's factoring that in and factoring in the size of this line etc one thing i would say though and i I really think again because of the michigan state loss and because of the quality of the past couple of these defenses and i know adam specifically talked about it and talked about that you're hoping for uh, an offensive recruiting boon that kind of rivals what we've had on the defensive side of the ball totally get that um but i do think that that Kind of, you have to kind of see the forest through the trees a little bit and look at Illinois and look at the way our offense has worked and being like, basically, what you see is when they play good offenses, good offenses find a way to move the ball on them some way or other. So if you're looking at our offense and you're like, look, why aren't we running the ball? If it's another one of these situations where you know, Drake's only got 50 yards at the end of the day, but, like, Peyton's been sacked one or zero times. Well, that means things worked, okay? So it's like, I have no, I have no qualms about the fact that I think Jake's going to find a way to unlock this defense. I think he is. Um, again, I think we're all... We are all in the point right now where we know... That it's been a while since we saw one of these explosions. Now it's also been a while since we played a bad defense. And now I think we're getting one and we all would really like to see it unlocked. So if that happens, I mean, but it is funny, Sam, though, right? Because you're looking at a, you know, a 30 to 15 win, right? Where we're like, you know, in our minds, we'd be like, that's a great win. We'd really feel like we kind of put it on him, and that would, you know, that would right be that'd be right in that Vegas range, right? So I mean, it's that that does seem like at the upper end of expectations, but whatever. Hey, I would love to believe Vegas knows something we don't, and I'd love to believe that we totally cover that and absolutely throttle this team because <laughs> that's the, the that's the way we deserve to end this season. Absolutely.
0: Let's quickly just run through uh, some of the scores from this past weekend as we preview kind of the, the final week of regularly scheduled games. Um, you know, this, this upcoming weekend. Uh, We talked a little bit about it. Ohio State, you know, really laid it on Michigan State 52 to 12. I mean, it's hard to see too many weaknesses in that Ohio State team. Uh, You know, we talked about it a little bit with Adam, but like, yeah, their secondary is a little rough, but I mean, Michigan State couldn't do anything on them.
1: It was so kind of the, the really demoralizing thing about this. And it's right in line for everything you've seen the entire rest of the year. I mean, it's like, Do they have Trey Sermon running the ball? Yes. Do they have Master Teague running the ball? Yes. Ultimately, were they able to leverage those guys in this game? Yeah, they did. Uh, And Sermon had a great game running the ball. He busted a big run, etc. But everything you really need to know about this team, you found out really early in the game. Um, And it's something that you should know already if you haven't been watching the game. But the short of it is, Ohio State couldn't snap the football in most of this game they had a backup center in and justin fields literally had no idea where the ball was going on every single snap it was ridiculous and he's so flipping good that he just carried them through the entire first quarter plus of this game purely on his own raw ability And that's kind of the terrifying thing, right? And I think that's, you know, we'll talk about it a lot more next week and everything. But he has that escapability. And and to be fair, we really saw it against Indiana, who's probably the other best defense that they've played this year. The difference is in that game, he made some absolutely boneheaded decisions throwing the ball. And he didn't do that in this game. And you kind of got the feeling that he had learned his lesson and just kept the ball down. And it's like, you can scheme perfect pressure and get to this guy and he just makes you miss and gets out of there and extends plays and it's it's a nightmare and that it's the nucleus i mean you can talk all day like i said about their ability to run the ball downhill and their talent at receivers etc and it's, it's all true like they're stacked with talent it's why they're maybe a national championship team but when everything else goes wrong Fields can carry this team by himself through his own instincts, and that's probably the the most terrifying thing of all.
0: Indiana continues their feel good season uh, with a 14-6 win at Wisconsin. Um, you know that Indiana defense is no joke. I mean, yeah, did were they missing uh, Michael Penix? Sure, but you know, Wisconsin's <laughs> they defense were missing, is really they weren't missing. Yeah, they weren't missing Jack Tuttle. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. Yeah, Shnikes, man. Indiana's good. Oh, I
1: mean, they're, they're great. Um, I think there are a couple of things, and we were tweeting about this too, that are really important calibrations, and I know we're going to get to Iowa you know, in a little bit. We kind of already talked about it when we talked about Illinois, but um, if you were watching that Wisconsin game, yeah, the score is low, and yeah, Wisconsin in theory could have come back late, but you know that Indiana was clearly the better team for the entire game. And that Wisconsin looked absolutely anemic on offense. And you look at our game and know that they were absolutely anemic on offense in our game, too. And you, on one, if you know, for people who want to play the, you know, yeah, but those are two good teams, sure they're two good teams. But Wisconsin, you know, couldn't get the car out of the garage on offense in either of those games. That's important because next week, Wisconsin, who is everyone's darling. In the friggin' West all season long, right up until our game, and then even after our game, people were still trying to scheme ways. And I know I sound like a ridiculous Homer right now, but um, scheme ways to you know get Wisconsin back into things, right? You know, um, through like the rules and all oh, minimum game thresholds and everything. Wisconsin's got to go on the road to an excellent Iowa team next week, and if they lose that game, Wisconsin's got a losing season, and right now that looks pretty possible. Because Wisconsin's offense just can't get anything straightened out right now. And all their numbers are totally skewed by those first two games of the season when they played horrible defenses. And since then, they've been a mess on offense. Um, and for all the talk about their wide receivers, their talent is buttered in the offensive line, Mertz, and their awesome running backs. And uh, those guys are not getting it done right now. So yeah, I mean, again, it's like things are, are suddenly potentially really
0: turning south fast for Wisconsin. Uh, we, we've discussed Iowa's win over Illinois. I mean, Illinois got up early and then Iowa turned out Iowa might be the second best team in the West. I, I mean, I, so
1: one of the craziest things right now. Um, so the, the two craziest games of the season right now, without a doubt, number one, with a bullet, I hate to bring it up, is us losing to Michigan State. Statistically, that is by far the biggest outlier of their season. Number two, though, is Purdue beating Iowa. Uh, if, if, I, if either of Iowa's running backs don't fumble in that game, Iowa beats Purdue in that game. And if Iowa had won that game, their season is basically on par with Indiana. Um, They are the Indiana to our Ohio state. If you'll allow me the the grace of using that. (laughs) Uh, You know uh, what? I'll
0: allow it. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll let you have that one. That, that, that's a good sentence to hear,
1: but, but Iowa would be six and one right now and get ready for this folks. They have the number two offense in the conference scoring wise and the number three defense scoring wise. Um, They lost to us lost to Purdue and have kicked the crap out of everyone since that point. Um, They're an awesome football team and they are the feather in our cap for sure right now. Um, And again, so, I mean, it's like, they're, they're absolutely turning it on and they are easily, easily the fourth best team in the conference right now. And that's what Wisconsin's
0: got to face on the road next week. Uh, Nebraska beat Purdue. And, you know, you gotta wonder, You know, for a team like Purdue, I just – I don't understand. Like, that loss to Minnesota where the game was taken away from them by the officials – like, it was taken away by the officials. There's no doubt about it. And that has been the turning point on their season. Like, it's gone just down the drain really fast since that point. Yeah, it's
1: crazy. And then on the flip side, you know, it's like you've got uh, Nebraska, um, you know, I – they they, they killed Taylor Martinez. They had a funeral for him. They buried him six feet underground. And then a week later, exhumed him. And he has basically been their entire team for the past two weeks. Um, you know, right up until the last play, which wasn't really his fault of the Iowa game. He at least was sort of had him in it. And then he went off against an admittedly bad Purdue offense. But... Um, yeah, I mean to your point, I mean Purdue, on one hand you can be like, yeah, they gave up 37 points to Nebraska. That's Purdue's defense is awful. like that's not surprising. They couldn't score 30 points against a bad Nebraska defense though and and that's they had some success throwing the ball, but yeah, to your point, you can't help feeling that um, the the wheels have, have really come off for Purdue. And of course, the irony of ironies right is um, 2020 being what it be what it's being like, I absolutely half expect that based on all of that, they're going to find a way to beat Indiana next week. Like uh, I, cer- <laughs> I certainly wouldn't rule it out.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, you could also point to the fact that, you know, since Aiden O'Connell went out again, like he played against us and then hasn't played since. And I just saw he's his season's over. He's having surgery on his foot. So, you know, they they haven't, you know, had their starting quarterback, but Rondell Moore has been back. So it's like, it, you know, and even so i mean jack plummer had a good game 33 of 47 for 334 and three touchdowns yeah and bell had a bell had a
1: good game too i mean i think i you know and again this is a a game that again i mean it it was it was a shootout i mean it easily kind of gone either way but i mean yeah you just feel between that and the injuries that you identified it's like you feel like we're we're two full seasons in now to all the weapons in the Purdue battle station almost never being, you know, operational at the same time. And, you know, um, on one hand, it's like, it's better for us for sure, but it is, it is rough for Purdue. But again, that's where I'm feeling like half of me is thinking that uh, this may all lead to them suddenly pulling something out against the Hoosiers.
0: Uh, Penn state beat Rutgers. Who cares? That's fine. Yay!
1: Congrats Penn state. I just, you know, I, we knew you had it in you. Um, you know, happy valley, just celebrate. What a what a big win over Rutgers. Congrat congratulations.
0: Uh, quickly running through the schedule as it stands right now on Sunday night, um, you know, still yeah, a lot remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean like why even bother? I don't I, even know. So just, let's list all the deck chairs that the Big Ten's about to rearrange <laughs> to get well, Ohio actually, actually State let, let into let, let's talk about some of the ways that they could uh, rearrange the, the deck chairs here. Um, so obviously, we've got Illinois, Purdue is at Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa. Um, I don't see any reason for them to to mess around with that game. I mean, that that's that should be pretty locked in. I mean, no one, I haven't heard of any uh, outbreaks on either of those places. Minnesota Nebraska who knows what Minnesota is at i mean we'll find out more in the next day or two um, this
1: is one of the this is one of the big pieces though
0: yeah i mean if if Minnesota can't go that leaves Nebraska looking for a, a dance partner and there's some possibilities that could happen there Michigan Ohio State also you know huge question mark if Michigan's able to play uh, and Ohio State i mean I, I, did we ever get like Brett McMurphy out counting everyone to see? <laughs> I mean, no, they they, they said know, I mean, they said they were under seven and a half percent. Yeah, yeah I, 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 how much? How much of this is the, the the conference just sort of wink wink, nudge nudge, looking the other way?
1: Ser- I mean, I'm just like that number was going to be seven point four percent regardless of whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think so. <clears throat> I think right. I think that's one of the. The the dance partners that everyone is looking at, I suppose it bears mentioning. I suppose it's at least worth bringing up that one of the main teams everyone's looking at as a potential switcheroo game um, is a team that absolutely hates the rest of the Big Ten right now, the Nebraska <laughs> Cornhuskers. <laughs> and I like the idea of of the Big Ten being like. Now you have to play Ohio State because it pleases us. I think, like I almost wonder, like, would that be the final straw Nebraska's life? It wouldn't F because you, it going.
0: wouldn't because Nebraska played Ohio State already this year. and i don't I don't see them playing that one again. What they could do is take the Rutgers, Maryland game. Ohio State was supposed to play Maryland earlier this season. That game got canceled. I could easily see them rescheduling Ohio State, Maryland. And have Rutgers play Nebraska.
1: Nebraska Rutgers. Yep. Yeah. Now, on one hand, if that led to Rutgers beating Nebraska, that's something we can all enjoy. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, The but right, and I think you know it's that that certainly would be. um, I mean, and it's one of those things where it's like any of the teams we've mentioned. Ohio State's most likely going to plow any of these teams. Um, Maryland, for example, right? I mean, I think you can look at how the Maryland game against Indiana went and, and 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 us too and be like, look, Maryland's been frisky at times this season when they've played really bad defenses, but they also, you know, against some of the best defenses in the conference and Ohio State is not one of the best, but ranks in that top tier. Maryland suddenly has trouble uh, again on offense and, and I think Ohio State would probably roll them. But right, I think, I think, it's like everyone's kind of jumping ahead. I'm almost to the point now where the thing I'm really hoping for is I just want Michigan to pass protocols. Just play this game. <clears throat> just play the Michigan-Ohio State game. Let Ohio State at least beat Michigan, and then like we won't need the rest of this chicanery because I'm, I've am i long since resigned myself to the fact that Ohio State's getting in, folks. Like Whatever they have to do to make this happen. Um, but if you make me bet, I'd say it's exactly what you mapped out. I'd say it's Nebraska Rutgers and Ohio State Maryland on Saturday, and Ohio State gets to throttle Maryland, and then we
0: play them the week after. Which which would be a bigger bigger bloodbath? Ohio State Michigan or Ohio State Maryland? Oh, good question. Because because um, as it stands right now, the the opening line for Michigan Ohio State was Ohio State by thirty. Um. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you're,
1: you're looking at, in that situation, that would be either the 11th best defense in the conference in Maryland or the 12th best defense in Michigan. So it's it's pretty much the the same thing. Um, Michigan's offense has been a little bit better this season, throwing the ball. Um, I mean, both of them have been good, but Maryland, I mean, lest you forget, has been stoned a couple of times. But, I mean, it's not like either of them are good. I suppose with Michigan, you at least get that theoretical possibility Based on a quote-unquote rivalry game, but it uh, hasn't been much of a rivalry game lately. So no. there's you can't really read too much into that. So I'll tell you though, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy could really use that win. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy really needs a win, uh, literal and figurative, right now, and uh, that would certainly do it. But I, I think, again, I, I most likely. Michigan season is is um, well no I mean it's at least done for one more week and then they'll play the week after but I I don't
0: anticipate this game happening and then uh, finally Michigan State and Penn State cool whatever that's fine um, uh, I mean it's is so sad beat a Michigan
1: State give us you know <clears throat> put put a little bit more lipstick on that pig for us I'd appreciate it.
0: Were there any of? I mean, there were some fun games this past weekend. Coastal, baby. Yeah. yeah like, I, I do want to you know, briefly mention that. I don't want to spend too much time uh, talking about that. But, like, the BYU-Coastal Carolina game was fun on every single level. A, Liberty didn't get to play. Yes. Fantastic. Beautiful. B, they scheduled this game on Wednesday and played it on Saturday. And I there was an article... Um, that talked about the truck drivers for BYU. Did you see this? Oh, it was great. It was it amazing. Was, uh, like just like the, the what the truck drivers did. The guys who drove the uh, BYU equipment truck. It was it was
1: eastbound and down for those guys. They were uh, they were loaded up and trucking. Yeah, they just they like the, the
0: the way everything had to be scheduled and like they had maybe three hours to spare uh, before anything was going to get late, and they couldn't leave when they wanted to leave because the BYU was using the game helmets in practice. So they had to wait for practice to end before they could get the helmets to put in the truck uh, so they could hit the road. Really, really cool piece. I just think it was so awesome that
1: on Tuesday, I don't think either of these teams could have located the other team on a map. And by Saturday, they hated each other with every fiber of their respective being. (laughs) I was like, this was the chippiest game I've ever seen for two teams that had zero history and didn't know they were playing each other until four days before the game happened. Um, It was, and it was, it was an awesome game. It was the game of the year. Um, And I think both teams, you know, totally came to play, but I think it became pretty clear early on that BYU had not played a team of this caliber yet this season. And, And that's one of the reasons where, again, it's why it's such a squirrely year um, in terms of some of these teams not playing non-con. But on the other hand, you know, Coastal totally mounted up. And, you know, we were talking about the value of that game for Coastal is in the millions of dollars as a university. It's worth millions of dollars. They had game Game day there. Game day was there. The whole thing was an ad for the school. How many people learned that Coastal is in the town next to Myrtle Beach? I I doubt. I did. I learned that. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, the name is friggin' Coastal Carolina, and yet, none, like, I had not put that together until I actually saw the game that was like, oh, it's right next to Myrtle Beach. It's basically the Myrtle Beach spring Spring Break experience for four years, and their field is teal. That's all you need to know. And we were talking, we were joking. It's like when F Florida Gulf Coast University was in March Madness and they were doing Dunk City while ESPN was running pictures of their beach dorms. And it's like, the, if you've got a school that can sell itself like that and then you give them millions of eyeballs, the value to the school is just enormous. I mean, the amount of applications to Coastal Carolina next year is going to triple um, and you know, only football has the power to do things like that. So it was, uh, and, it was awesome.
0: And in some, in some instances, basketball. But
1: right, yeah. So and 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 and, and yeah. And it was an awesome game um, where you had a you know a freshman quarterback at Coastal Carolina, you know, making all kinds of plays and leading the team down the field and and really a, a Kevin Dyson
0: ending. Oh um, yeah. I mean that that was that was like BYU driving and then one yard short. Oh, so, yeah, that was a thrilling, that was just so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it really was, it was probably the game of the year, and now. It, that, you know, it probably, that,
1: and maybe Clemson-Notre Dame. Yep, it was, it it was, uh, and it propels Coastal, you know, higher and higher up, and I think they most likely, you know, Cincinnati's got that group of five spot, you know, in a vice grip right now, but Coastal still probably has got a really good chance at some, some New Year's Day action or something like that, and, and. A massive—I mean, how many times do we get to say this? A massive Sun Belt championship game coming up, of against two phenomenal teams, probably in two weeks. Coastal uh, and Louisiana—it's just awesome. Like yeah. What
0: a what a year for the Sun Belt. No, it, it, it's it's been great, and like the fact that in any other season. I mean, Coastal could be having this kind of year in any other season, and no one would notice because Coastal had, had Coastal would have had eyeballs. They they had all of the eyeballs early in the season, when right. when the Big Ten hadn't come back yet, the SEC hadn't started yet. They've been playing the entire way, and they've played every game. So like, they've had the eyeballs. And that just wouldn't be the case in any other year. So, And in any other year, you know, they
1: probably get tagged by Georgia in week one or something uh-huh. like that. And then win out, and everyone's like, oh, that's really cute, but it's just not <clears throat> not the same. It's really is, you know, we have
0: to find the wins in 2020 where we can, and this is one of them. One game I'm, I'm bummed did not go down was Vandy-Georgia. I mean, I would have loved to see Sarah Fuller have a chance to kick again. Um, you know, we'll see if, she plays next week if Vandy plays next week um not that I th- think that Vandy could have gotten into field goal range against Georgia when they couldn't get into <laughs> field goal range against Missouri I mean look.
1: yeah right but uh there we get
0: another another well-placed kickoff though you know yeah
1: she uh <clears throat> she knows where to locate the ball too bad she's only gotten to kick once but yeah I know it's 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 a real bummer but uh because it was one of those things where again it's like now, does it need to perpetuate itself? Look, no, like not technically. But it, it doesn't change the fact that it all happened organically, that this was no one's stunt, that they needed a kicker. She was totally available and there and was the best option. Um, and that in and of itself is, is an amazing thing, that in a time of crisis for Vanderbilt, she was the best available option. And that that was not for her lack of quality. It was because of the available people. She was the best kicker of a football that was that was available. And you know, it would have been great if we would have gotten to see a chance for, for her to kick a field goal. Maybe we still will. Um, but uh, but you know, like people have already talked about, it, I think she's transferring down to North Texas or whatever, and they're they're getting a heck of a bonus.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I haven't even gone through the schedule for this upcoming weekend. Just kind of quickly skimming through uh, North Carolina and Miami could be interesting. I mean, Miami is uh, playing pretty good ball right now. I don't know why North Carolina is still ranked, but I honestly haven't watched more than a second of North Carolina football since the big 10 started. Yeah. Uh, It's
1: funny. My Miami really quietly, you know, I mean, I think they, they got smoked by Clemson and quickly kind of eliminated themselves from the, the larger conversation. But um, I suppose there still are those possibilities. Um, well, no, I guess not really because the Big Ten already, the, the ACC already took that game away. Um, so they don't really have anything to play for other than, you know, it's Miami and Miami is always a sleeping giant. And if a team like Miami puts together a one loss football season, <clears throat> and right now they totally could go 10 and one this year, um, that will carry major weight in the coming years.
0: It um, seems like uh, a bunch of the major conference championship games are set. I mean, you've got uh, Bama and Florida uh, for the SEC. Um, that, take the over. I, I don't care how high it is. Take oh, the over. Oh, my gosh. There will be yeah. points aplenty. I mean, no one has been able to stop Alabama at all, all season. And Florida is putting up points like it's going out of style. Right, how, they lost, how they lost How a and M? i A&M, I'm still not sure. But, like, I've been so
1: I've been you know in the relatively small Ian book for Heisman bandwagon this year having said that Kyle Trask can absolutely win himself the Heisman Saturday uh he can make it his not not this Saturday but the next Saturday the next Saturday right that day like he absolutely can lock that award up um
0: and he and he you know he's probably your favorite right now it, um, it could be interesting like that game could literally be whoever wins that game their quarterback wins the Heisman yeah, because if, if Bama wins, Mac Jones, yeah, I mean, he, he's right there, too. Right.
1: I think it, it is amazing that you've got those two, the ACC championship and <clears throat> and the SEC championship, are four potential Heisman candidates. Although Lawrence, you know, kind of took him took himself out of commission. But, um, yeah, the overall talent across those. But, yeah, between Jones and, and um, Trask,
0: it's pretty amazing. But, I mean, you've... Basically, I I don't know, is this like a playoff semifinal or quarterfinal, if you will, Bama, Florida, if Florida beats Bama, could they go to the playoff? Possibly. Uh, Notre Dame, Clemson, the winner absolutely goes to the playoff. If if Notre Dame wins, then Clemson's out. If Clemson wins close, Notre Dame could still be in.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, yeah certain certain potential winners of certain conference championship games would stand to benefit from certain results in these games.
0: <laughs> what? Nothing. I, nothing. I haven't I haven't said anything Sam. I I said what? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you know, and then us and Ohio State, not official, but all all but. I mean, right? Yeah. I, if you're I wouldn't hold out hope if you're an Indiana fan. No. Um, and then what the big 12 is, is Iowa state and Oklahoma. Is that where we're sitting at right now? I I haven't, I haven't checked. I believe so. Um,
1: which becomes all the more wild because Louisiana who gets their rematch with coastal only has one loss this season, a three point loss to coastal and they beat Iowa state, your potential big 12 champion. Well, I, Iowa state, that in. is the, they,
0: they're in for sure. They're eight.
1: And right. One. So I mean, but I mean, if Iowa state wins and wins the big 12, uh, and let's say Louisiana wins, <clears throat> Louisiana will be your Sun Belt champion. They'll have one conference loss
0: that they avenged and they'll have beaten the big 12 champion. Yeah. Crazy, crazy times. Um, and then I just have no idea what, what the story is with the PAC 12. I mean, they, they've played so few games and so many cancellations. I'm just like sitting here, thing that Colorado and USC are both three and zero. They were supposed to play each other. USC canceled uh, because of COVID. Colorado played San Diego State, so Colorado has a non-conference win. So their conference wins are less. So they could both go undefeated. USC would go to the the Pac-12 championship over Colorado. Even though USC canceled the game against Colorado because of COVID, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe know. that's my Boulder homerism coming out. But like, if if we're if we're changing rules left, right, and everywhere, I mean, Oregon's got a couple losses. Washington doesn't look un, unbeatable. Um, why not put USC Colorado for the Pac-12 championship? I mean, it's not like that's going to the playoff at all.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, Can I, you get again, rid of
0: divisions at this point and just take the I don't know.
1: I don't know. Even compared to the Big 10, the Pac-12 is They're playing so few games that it's hard to, you know, even even hang your hat on anything. But yeah, I'm with you, Sammy. Buffaloes. In fact, Buffaloes for the playoff. I'm in. Let's
0: do it. <laughs> Are there any Big Ten Pac 12 bowl games left? I mean, Pac 12's had four of their bowl games cancel. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm just trying, I, like, mean I, I mean, bowl, bowl, bowl season is a whole other uh, ball yard. And like the fact that we have championship week, um, you know, all, all the conference championships and then the you know, Big Ten, all of the, you know, week nine games, and the Pac 12 is doing that too. And there's a bowl game that same day. When are these bowl games getting announced? I don't even know. I know. It's all it's all so
1: crazy. We're talking about our boys at <clears throat> Winning cues, cures everything who also do, you know, picks for the SBR channel and, you know, they're trying to figure out how they're going to navigate this all from a gambling standpoint and it's all just so ludicrous, but I suppose like Adam was saying, it's exhausting, but I guess you figure it out on you uh, you figure it out
0: on the on the fly. And before we get out of here, um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, Northwestern men's basketball has started their season. A couple gigantic wins, um, over a hundred points in each game. Sure, Chicago State and Arkansas Pine Bluff are not uh, the stiffest competition. However, you know, we got a couple early looks at you know what Northwestern could potentially be. And we're we're gonna save the basketball talk I think till next week when Scuzz is back, because um, you know we'll we'll preview a little bit more. But you know Miller Cop looks good. Chase Audige looks like you know. I the
1: I again like you said we won't step on too much you know talk and we can talk next week. But uh, we've got some guards. Woohoo! Yeah, guards who knew all you need all you need is guards and and suddenly you can have a, an offense so it's uh it's fun and you've got uh, yeah you've got that that buoy Adige, Barry, triumvirate um in terms of of creating and scoring points to pair with cop and suddenly there's there's potential to do some things and we have saw it and
0: uh, it'll be fun to kind of dive deep on it uh, so we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight head to our website westlottpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions find us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at westlottpirates and you can always email the show westloppirates at gmail.com tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter especially the fourth for John LaCombe and Eric Skow's and Sam Walter thanks so much for listening we'll see you next time